You're listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast. For more on Screening in Kingston, more episodes, info about our movie clubs, and a lot more fun movie content, visit screeninginkingston.com. Welcome to a very special episode of Screening in Kingston. The Star Trek boys are back. Yeah, yeah. Beloved by every single listener, here we every are again. listener loves us in a lot of ways, and they love these extra Star Trek episodes. It, it's it's a wide, you know, wide range of people we, we reach, Tyler, by doing this. <laughs> so many listeners, without a doubt, the most listened to episodes uh, that we do. So there you go. We're, we're back by popular demand. Um, actually, there has been a little bit of demand. I'll get to that in a second, Tyler. Um, there's something I've kept from you that uh, we're going to we're going to get into in a few seconds. But before we get into it, let's just introduce everybody to what we're doing. We're we're back for more Trek talk. And yes, Tyler Vance, you're back. Thank you for joining me. Oh, not a problem. Always happy to talk some more Star Trek. And we're going to talk about um, our, our favorite guilty pleasure Star Trek The Next Generation episodes, um, just to prove that there is no end to how much we can talk about Star Trek in any way, uh, form or fashion, which I think is probably true, right? Like, I think we could come up with a million ways to talk about Star Trek. Well, I've been talking about Star Trek since I was able to form words. So I figure, why stop now? Just keep going. Keep keep the train rolling. I don't remember if I told you that last time we talked about this that when i was a kid i used to measure time by star trek so <laughs> in terms if, of episodes if, or in terms yeah, of movies <laughs> no in terms of in terms of of episodes and like so let's just say something was happening or like we were leaving for you know we're leaving for a trip or, or we're going somewhere i would always ask my parents like how, how many star trek episodes are we away from where we're getting to and they'd always be like okay yeah we're two episodes away or something like that and like that's how i measured time <laughs> that is an amazing way to do it and actually i think that we should took like take like star trek episodes as a standard unit in our say setup so in my science papers from now on i'm not going to be talking about it in terms of minutes or hours of incubation it's i incubated my cells for two and a half star trek episodes yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah two and a half episodes of star trek yeah exactly i think that would be perfect i think if we did that the world would be a better place. Yes, um, I would definitely be getting published much more readily in science yeah, journals than I currently. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, just just for the sheer like, they probably just call you just to ask. Yeah, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, what you seem you... like an interesting person. Yeah, in a, in a, in a good way. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk some Star Trek: The Next Generation today. It's gonna be a lot of fun. This is kind of just an extra episode that we're throwing in there because, well, I'm gonna tell my story actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but before we do, Tyler, the thing I kept from you is we have two fans who wrote in questions about Star Trek recently. Ooh. Uh, these have come in over the past couple of weeks. So I think inspired by our last couple Star Trek episodes we did um, in, in 2020. So I've been keeping them, hoping that you and I would do this again uh, and we could answer them. Because I, I feel like asking Taylor to answer these Star Trek fan questions would be a little 
tough. But I think it would be funnier, probably. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe maybe we're gonna have her answer them. Yeah, it would be. So shall we shall we do some fan questions before we start? I would love to. This is super exciting. I was I'd like half a like half like thinking in my head the entirety of the time we were doing these that the only people that were listening to these were like me, you, and my mom. So I'm excited that there are people that pay attention and are interested. <laughs> I can guarantee. I can tell you for sure. My parents listen as well. Nice. Um, so, but that, I mean, they would listen to, together. So that would be like one that counts as one. Yeah. Um, so other than the four of us, yeah, like there's at least two other people. So we know at least six people Wonderful. have listened to, to these Star Trek episodes and two of them decided, Hey, I, I have something to ask. I have something to contribute. So Star Trek fans are out there. Um, that's, that's all we know, right there. There's, they're, we're out there. We exist. Yeah. Much like the truth in X-Files. Yeah, it's out there. It, it's out there. Yeah. Um, okay, so the first fan question um, comes from Colt, who's written into the show several times. Mm-hmm. Um, Colt says, I'm really loving the Star Trek talk, but I'm not getting enough love for the original series. Mm-hmm. I know that both Mike and Tyler have brought up the original series before. They've talked about it several times. I'm looking for an original series-themed episode. What do you think? Like, so what do you like think? That. A hundred percent. I would love to do an original series episode because I do like that is actually when we're talking about like my childhood and like talking about Star Trek, like the original series was all the Star Trek I had up until high school. Mm -hmm. Like all of that was the original series. The movies are my favorite amongst them. The television series has a very special place in my heart. Its campiness is unparalleled, but the ideas and kind of characters they brought up were also unparalleled for their time. So I would love to do an original series episode at some point. Well, we're we're recording. You know, this is as this is as live and and real as you can get. Shall we get you on the record saying that the next time you and I sit down to talk Star Trek, we will do an original series themed episode. You just tell me where to sign, and I'll sign it okay. right there. <laughs> you know, th- now the big question is, and I don't know, maybe Colt has a ge- suggestion, or Tyler, you might. What would the theme be? Like, should we should we rank original series episodes? Mm-hmm. Should we look at the movies? Should we do something like we've been doing with TNG, where we pick a different topic to focus on? Like, there's a lot of variety we can go in there. I mean, Colt, give us your thoughts. But Tyler, if you have any right now, like, is what would be your ultimate Trek talk for the original series? Well, that's an interesting thing because, like, there is always the tried and true, like, what's your favorites? But the funny thing about picking your favorites is that it can it definitely changes over time. Mm-hmm. Is like and so there might be something interesting to say like what is like the for in my case anyway like what is the oldest Star Trek episodes that you remember watching because like I've yeah. watched the original series like many times now but when I was younger there was like I had my like six episodes that were like these are the episodes that I watched over and over again um, so something like that could be interesting focusing more on the characters like what is your favorite like Spock and McCoy argument episode yeah those are always great. <laughs> Um, what's your favorite James Doonan in a Jeffrey's Tube episode where he just spends the entirety of the episode in there fiddling around and y- being yelled at by the commanding structure? I'd love like what's your favorite random crew member episode where, oh. you know, you always have not not the person like not the red shirt joke, but you yeah. always have that other crew member, someone who's on the bridge or that science officer or someone who goes on the away mission who's a science officer or a medical officer. Like you always have that other person. Yeah. who's just around and there was one episode of the original series i was watching recently where the, an entire shuttle mission 
is basically like Spock McCoy and like six people we've never met. Galileo like, Seven. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think that like, wow, you know the episode. Yeah. Um, I think that like those would be, that would be one that I always remember. I always remember they, them interesting when the main crew meets other people and they don't, you know, sometimes they perish and sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're, you know, just part of the story. That would be kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was like those episodes are great because there are like your main characters. But then as you said, there's like a smattering of other ones. It's like it's mm-hmm. different than the episodes where they beam down and there's like the entirety of the senior command staff and then like one dude. And you're like, oh, that poor one dude. Yeah, that poor one dude. <laughs> that one dude is not coming back. Yeah. You wonder if you're poor. sitting in your room and you're like getting your away mission orders and you see your name on the roster as well as yes. like all these. You're like, oh, it's like no. Kirk, Spock, McCoy. Shepherd, I'd be like, oh no, no <laughs> I don't want to go on that mission. Um, yeah, it would be interesting to do it that way, where we pick sort of like, what's your favorite of, and like, here's five different things. Because I would also throw in, you know, one of the things I actually liked, especially as a kid, about the original series, is the visiting the planets that seem that were Earth-like for various mm-hmm. reasons, and there was always like a reason. Oh, they found this thing, and they made it like the, you know, the whole planet's like the the gangster new york in the 50s or or you know the the whole planet is is the roman empire like development i like those kind of throwbacks where it's almost like time travelish but but it's not it's within this time it's just the planet is either evolving the same way or they found something from earth and they kind of you know they manipulated it to suit them but they kind of followed it as an almanac i like those types of episodes yeah i agreed i i've always enjoyed those and even like getting older now and thinking about it about like if the universe is indeed infinite, then in theory, everything that can happen once should be able to happen again. And so yeah. you think to yourself, like, in theory, like that, that could be a thing out there, that there might be another planet who's just like, like us, but just in a different state. Mm-hmm. And if, if the planet has similar things that Earth does, if it's, if it's evolved in a similar way, it's not out of the realm of possibility that creatures that look very much like humans could also exist. And I liked how Star Trek was like, okay, yes, we have a, we, we have a budget. So aliens have to be like their ears are pointed and then they're aliens. But I think the way they explain it and look at it is also interesting. Yeah. They kind of play into that sometimes. But the great ways that they don't explain it, like when like, uh, in the deep space is like in DS9, when they go back in time to the trouble with Tribbles and they see the Klingons without the ridges and, and they're turned to Worf. He's like, don't ask. I love that. I love that. That's all he said. They didn't try to, they didn't try to, to discovery it where they make this huge, crazy thing. They were just like, he just says like, we don't talk about it to outsiders. And then they dropped it. And, yeah. it, and it's like, that's so funny, but also, that's all you need sometimes that mystery you don't have to solve every mystery like you don't have to go out there and solve every single mystery yeah we don't have to make an entire two and a half hour movie to explain why the death star has this like weak point in it rogue one (laughs) yeah i mean (laughs) apparently apparently maybe we'll get that movie we'll get actually i'm gonna say this so i i know you're not you you're not as familiar with star trek enterprise no there is a two-parter episode in their last season that explains what happens to the Klingons. Oh. Um, now, I will say it's not it's not as disappointing as Rogue One. Um they actually it's actually as if you just take that out of it, the two-part episode's like phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> like it's actually like for like Star Trek Enterprise, it's like probably one of their best episodes in like their final season they knew like they were coming down to it. But like they explain it and it's kind of like, "Oh, Okay, that's what happened. But but again, it's it's not too bad. It, it, as ways you could do it, you could do it a lot worse than the way they did it. Nice. 
Um, okay, we got one more fan question here. So anyway, but but to, for Colt, yes, we're going to do that. Tyler's on the record. We've got it. Uh, you can take this as as we've promised. It'll happen at some point in time. And uh, feel free to email in, Colt. If you have suggestions like Tyler's saying, maybe we'll do that. We'll do like your favorite types of episodes. Tell us what your favorite types of the original series are, and, and we'll do that. Um, last question comes from Julie. Uh, who says, I've been really loving the Star Trek talk recently. What we haven't gotten into with Star Trek too much is the deep characters that exist, and it's the reason why I love the series so much. What are your favorite Star Trek characters? If you had to pick a top three, who would they be from any movie, any series? Great. All right. Top three. Top three. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because when I was younger, I had my favorite characters. Um and I would have been able to answer this very quickly and it's like and earnestly. As I've gotten older, they've actually kind of shifted. So I still have those old allegiances. I still love Spock and I still love Sulu from the original series. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still love it's like a Data from TNG. And uh, heaven help me, I still love the Doctor from Voyager. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but really, um, I think now my favorite characters are probably Jean Luc Picard from TNG. Um, and then it's like a probably still Spock from the original series. And then I had to pick, who am I going to pick for my third one? Well, I guess if I, is like, if there was a gun to my head and I had to, is like to pick, maybe it actually might be Beverly Crusher from like the early season, like the first season of TNG. Yeah, season one. She's, yeah, she's just so wonderfully like awkward, but also like of her of her own self. There's a great line at yeah. one point where Wesley asks her, "Like, oh, so you're scared of the captain too?" And she looks at him and she's like, "I am not scared of the captain." <laughs> yeah. And I just like it's like it's a very new love I have for this character because of yeah. a lot of my time with TNG, I spent kind of rolling my eyes at her, but now. It might be her. I might. I but, might actually. Yeah. I might actually be coming around. Because later, later in the series, she becomes less relevant, which I think was was. I mean, first of all, it happens when you have a crew full of people. You're going to focus on certain people, and writers are going to like certain characters and want to write for certain characters. Um, Crusher kind of gets lost a bit, but yeah, like season one and even three and four, Crusher, yeah, like all kind of leading up to where where best of both worlds kind of changes the series a lot. Leading up to that, I think, yeah, she's got a lot of interesting moments. She's got a lot of, I, I like how she's very, very, like, confident, but not in, in the same overpowering way as Picard is. Like, Picard exudes confidence and power as he walks into a room without saying anything. She does the same thing, but, like, not in a pushy way. She's yeah. just like, you never question that she knows exactly what she's doing. She's one of the highest ranking officers on the ship. And there's like, she doesn't have to prove anything. And that's what I love. Yeah, she's she's a great character. That's a good, that's a pretty good list. So, so right now you would say you you would, you would stick with Spock. Yeah. Data. Yeah. And Crusher. Well, Crusher. I was Spock, Picard. Picard like, and now like Crusher is getting in there, but it's like, it's one of those things like, I can't tell yet if this is like a long term, like she is going to be my favorite character or if this is just kind of like the, the flings of like, a, like a new, of a, something new. I'm just like excited about the fact that for the first yeah. time, I'm actually appreciating something about this character that was there all the time and I didn't really take it full advantage of. But yeah. it's like for the moment, I'm going to put that in as number three okay. and uh, 
get back to me in a couple months and we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll see what happens. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like I, you know, th- there's the classics, like, uh, I mean, Picard and Data, I think are, are fantastic characters. I think Spock's a fantastic character. I think there's a lot within that character that makes them interesting and there's a lot you can do with it so i think that like the actors and the writers were given a lot of tools to begin with it's like you you know spock is is half human half vulcan so you're always going to have that to draw back on data is trying to become human but he's not is is something you can always draw back on yeah so i think that like for me they would all they would be obvious but like i think i'm going to kind of kind of do something similar that you did so i i probably have two that are, are classic great characters. So I would say the doctor from Voyager yeah. would, would be in my top three, 100%. Um, I'm going to put, I'm going to put data in there because I think the data as the series grew, you got to, to do a lot of fun things with data. And some of, some of, I think the episodes where I just, I just simply sit back and enjoy of TNG without even thinking are data related episodes. Um, and then my third one, I'm going to go with major Cura from deep space nine interesting um because i think you didn't have a lot to start off with because you're kind of meeting you know the bajorans we've learned a little bit about them in in uh in next generation but they seem very much like a broken people who just came out of an occupation she's a terrorist Mm -hmm. like she's a terrorist who who fought for the freedom of her world and is now forced into a political position is forced to be basically this liaison where she doesn't think she's going to, she's there like as just a token. Like that's the reason. Oh, I got to, you got to have a Bajoran on this space station because the Federation's here to help us. And I really like that clash, especially in the first couple seasons. And then how she, she never loses that through, through if you, I rewatched Deep Space Nine, like my most recent Trek rewatch mm. was, was Deep Space Nine. And she never loses that edge, even though characters grow and she grows. Sometimes you you lose what made the certain characters special at the beginning when you, when you're on for a long long time. Yeah, she, she's always got that edge. She's always got that fighting spirit. She's always ready. And like her disagreements with Cisco are some of the best arguments, like Star Trek arguments. You know, when two characters get in a room and they're debating something, yeah, and it's not heated, it's just interesting. Yeah, I think she has some of the best in in all of of Star Trek. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with Major Kira as my as my third one. She's definitely one of the most interesting kind of like uh, foils for the is like for the like lead captain of a series in terms mm-hmm. of like because every other like like foil is usually like the first officer and they're very much like we have disagreements on how to do this thing. It was like, but we're both yeah. on board with, we got to yeah. do this thing. And As you a- know what the best example of that is? Sorry to interrupt, but the no. best example of exactly what you just said is Chakotay and Jane. Janeway, exactly. Because they are actually like almost commanders from two yeah. very different worlds that are kind of thrown together. It's like, we need mm-hmm. to make this work. And um, Chakotay got it though. Like yeah. he understood that I'm to argue with you, but once you've made a decision, even if I disagree, I'm just going to go. Whereas like Riker just trusted Picard. Yeah. So there, what you didn't see as much of that animosity, but you saw Chakotay and, and Janeway argue and fight. But when the decision was made, he went and did it. Kira didn't always do that. No, <laughs> she, she made sure everyone knew that she didn't like this plan. and was against it. And like, you're absolutely right. It's like, it's such a different, you know, aspect to throw in for a commanding officer. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, I think Deep Space Nine is the reason that Star Trek has still had the longevity that it did because it recognized that things had to change. We needed yeah. to change the usual formula. We couldn't just have another starship with another crew. 
um, people after TNG, people wouldn't just jump into that. We needed something that was going to be different and vital and kind of relevant. And I think by providing those different character dynamics of people who are not all Starfleet, not all on the same page, and all kind of even fighting for different things, even within their own selves, like Cisco having to balance his Starfleet versus emissary duties, mm-hmm. you created a very different dynamic. Um, and I think here is a great example of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so thank you um, for those fan questions. Um, I wasn't expecting to ever have a fan question about Star Trek. So, <laughs> hey, new we ground. Got, yeah, we have people listening. That's really good to hear. Um, let's get into it. Let's yep. talk about some guilty pleasure Star Trek The Next Generation episodes. So as I promised, I'm going to quickly just explain um, kind of what I came up with this and how this kind of came together. And then uh, we'll both talk about how we made our selections, and then we'll we'll go through five episodes each. Uh, Guilty Pleasure, Star Trek The Next Generation episodes. So this, uh, b- about four nights ago, maybe three nights ago from recording this, mm-hmm. I, I, at the end of a particularly long week, I threw on some Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, I was laying in bed and kind of like trying to fall asleep, and Star Trek always has a tendency to make me sleepy. Mm. Um, and I think it's like, it's not a bore th- being bored. It's like it's comfort. comfort. Yeah. yeah. It's like a comfort. It's like anytime I'm sick, throw on epi- episodes of Star Trek, I will sleep through it and sleep off the sickness. Like it's just, it happens to this day. Um, so I, I threw on and I started it at season two um, mm. and started going through a couple episodes. And I just, a few episodes, I'm like this episode, there's so many things I point out now that I'm like, this episode's very flawed, but I love it. Yeah. Like I just, I just love it. Like every, even the flawed things, I'm just like, it's so good and it's so campy and it's done so well, especially at the beginning that like, it's such a delight to watch it, even if there are things that I can point out. So I thought, well, this could be a very interesting conversation, you know, to, cause to me, guilty pleasure means you think it's bad, not, you know, it's bad. Like, cause opinions are opinions. Some mm-hmm. people, I went on IMDB and one of my episodes was like ranked, like had like 8.5 rating. And I'm like, I don't think it's that good, but like, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes people will disagree, but I thought that would be an interesting conversation. So here I am, it's like 1130 at night. And I'm like, well, I'll email Tyler Vance in the morning. And just see what he thinks. Maybe maybe he'll think it's it's kind of an interesting idea. But then as I continue to watch the episode, I'm like, oh, I'll email him now. <laughs> like, why, why wait? Yeah. <laughs> I'll email him now. And then I, I didn't sleep for like three hours. Like, I, I, I could, after midnight, I still couldn't sleep. Because I was continuing to watch episodes thinking, I'm like, would this be on my list? I don't know. Like, maybe. And like, I, I had the worst sleep I had all week after being exhausted and like putting on Star Trek to like calm myself down. The exact opposite happened. Where I was like, well, maybe I should write this down. No, I'll write it down in the morning. No, get a piece of paper, get a pad, write down, <laughs> write down what's going on here. Um, and yeah, that's that's kind of how this this came to be. And then you, to my surprise, were like, yeah, let's do it. Like, I'm ready. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm, re- I'm ready to go. I've been ready. Um, so when I said guilty pleasure episodes, like, what did that mean to you? Yeah. So when you said that, it was interesting because. Like, uh, I, as like many of us is like who like Star Trek, try to uh, proselytize Star Trek to other people and say, you should really do this. And then they're like, oh, really? What should we watch? And then there's that moment of like about to speak and then hesitation, like, uh, like, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what? It's like, because eventually 
once you can invest it, you'll love all Star Trek. It's like, yeah. it's like it doesn't matter. First season of TNG, second, third, it does like all of that stuff will eventually become endearing to you. It's Correct. like um, similar to how when it's like someone else's baby throws up in your car, it's kind of annoying. But when your baby does it, you're like, oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like um, I was trying like I was thinking about this in the way of like I have a Venn diagram of things that I love in Star Trek and things that I'm embarrassed of. And then the union of those two, the portions of overlap is kind of where I'm drawing these episodes from. The things I that I'm embarrassed that I love so much. I'm really excited to see, first of all, if we have any crossover. And second of all, the thing I kept thinking of when I was doing this list, I would put an, I would put an episode down and I would be and then I would take it off because I'm like, this episode's too good. That's exactly from, what happened to me. I was like, yes, yeah. in. And I'm like, but it's not actually bad. Though. It's like, not bad. Know, yeah. <laughs> it's not a guilty pleasure. It's great. It's so I, great so I'm just wondering, will you or I say something where the other person's like, no, 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 no. That's a good episode. That's what I'm interested to see. If yeah. we, if we count or argue that the, whether or not it deserves you on this, but I like that. I like that. I, because to me, I mean, Taylor and I on the show always talk about guilty pleasures what yeah. does it mean what does it mean and taylor doesn't believe in guilty pleasures because if it's a pleasure why feel guilty about it mm -hmm. and i get it i just define it as you know what's bad yeah. you know what's not the best you know the writing isn't great or maybe the acting isn't great and i'm not just talking about star trek like anything there are movies i watch where i know they're not good yep. but i like it you know and that's that's kind of how I, I think we define it in similar ways do you get pleasure out of it, but maybe there's something that embarrasses you if you had to show it to someone else? Exactly. If someone came to you and said, "What are you watching right now?" You is like, there's some you'd go, "Oh, you should watch this with me," and others you'd be like, "Um, um I'm just watching Star Trek and I need some alone time. Get out of here." Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, let's dive into it. Without further ado, let's give our five episodes guilty pleasure: Star Trek: The Next Generation. Tyler, kick us off. What's the first episode you want to talk about? All right, so the first episode that I want to talk about is kind of under the larger category of TNG episodes that are too much like the original series. Um, <laughs> okay, and I yes. think this is appropriate considering the, e oh. the email that we got a little bit earlier. Yeah, the, the original series is great, but it requires a much higher suspension of disbelief from modern audiences um, because of its old, it's like its uh, old timiness, its budget, it's like all those sort mm -hmm. of things that just kind uh -huh. of weigh it down a little bit, so that you can't, you have to like penetrate through all that in order to be to find the good stuff underneath um and so i was pulling from i was like obviously earlier seasons of tng that were a little bit too much like the original series they had mm -hmm. a little too much camp yeah. a little too much theatricality to them yeah. and um but still had really good ideas is like and uh really good character moments kind of yeah. underneath them yeah which which i think we would both agree happens even even in the first season where they're trying to find their footing it does happen a lot like a lot of those episodes have either a great character moment or or a, or a great sort of theme that even though it wasn't well executed we're like yeah but we like it for that like the theme's great or the character moments are great exactly and so like this is a, one of the situations where i was looking through a lot of the season one and season two and putting them on my list and then taking them mm. off it's like you know what no it's actually <laughs> yeah. good yeah um, yeah and so i eventually settled on the naked now which is season <laughs> one episode three um because it is a direct carbon copy of an original series episode which they explicitly reference in the episode yeah. it is a yeah. series an episode where there is some science vessel they find near a collapsing star. Everyone's gone crazy on the ship and ended up like creating a series of accidents that led to the death of all the crew. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then when they go over to 
investigate whatever it was that infected them, they bring back onto their ship. And it makes mm -hmm. everyone feel like they're intoxicated and you start seeing all of their inhibitions flying away and they become these crazy people who are letting their innermost demons and urges run the ship. And, and uh, it doesn't go and, well. Yeah, on top of the fact that like they, they, could, they could harm themselves because everyone's, their inhibitions are gone. The, the episode also clearly explains that like as the disease progresses, it's going to kill you anyway. Yeah. So even if there's something you don't do that causes it, you can't wait this out, which yeah. is kind of the problem. Well, and the, the ticking time bomb in this case is actually the um, the exploding star. So yes. like they yeah. need to get yeah. away from this thing, but <laughs> nobody on the ship is behaving properly. And it's interesting to watch the characters, especially since we've just met these characters. Like this is mm -hmm. episode three of the first season. We've just met them. And now we're watching their inhibitions be like ripped away. It's a very interesting icebreaker, a very strange way to meet and greet with all these members of the crew. Yeah. It's an odd timing to put that right after your two part pilot. Yeah. Like it's an odd timing, but I guess they were like, we've got to make sure we grab the Star Trek fan yeah from the original yeah this is a very interesting choice for, yeah. for me because i i i have so much fondness for this episode um it's an interesting choice that you would you would put this as a guilty pleasure so so before you dive into anything else you want to say about it answer this question for me yeah what would be the thing that you would say is like this is this is too much like other than the fact that it's a carbon copy of the, the plot what makes it for you too much like the original so a big thing that makes it kind of embarrassing on this front is yeah. um, there's a, a couple of things. One of them is the really like heightened kind of like cringy late 80s sexuality of the whole thing. There's a lot yeah. of weird stuff going on. A lot of weird stuff happening. Yeah. Um, another one is like kind of the goofiness of it. Because everyone's acting intoxicated, you've taken a bunch of actors who are like kind of just gotten this big gig on star trek and saying now let loose and they do really weird things there's this great wave that patrick stewart does to beverly when she's getting on the elevator it's like <laughs> half embarrassed but kind of really interested and i feel that wave kind of sums up how i would wave to this episode if it started yelling <laughs> my name on the street just kind of like hi <laughs> yeah i know you're there and i do like you and appreciate that but also i'm trying to do something over here i'm trying i'm trying to be professional <laughs> now, i mean you bring that you bring that up and this is this is my first of what it will be probably three counterpoints to this mm -hmm. being on your list but again it's your list i'm just this yeah, is yeah, the fun of it, right like, let's let's debate this a little bit yeah. so I, I already have three things in mind and you've already brought up the first thing yeah. i think the fact that the actors let loose was like what sells me on this because they just go for it. Yeah. Like, and it's all good. Like it's all gold. Like everyone's like data's giving you gold. Like Brent Spiner's just like giving you gold for like, this like is... great pratfalls. Of Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Like he's just falling all over the place. Like I think that like, you know, and, and I thought, I thought that everyone reacting slightly different, but, but you know, not everyone's silly. Like some people are, are soulful. And sort of like inward, and some people are are outwardly aggressive in, yeah. in a lot of ways, right? So I thought that was I actually like the fact that the actors went all out, and I think they do a pretty good job of it. Yeah, well, I agree with you. I is like 
to be clear, I love that aspect of the episode. But imagine <laughs> someone coming in and saying like, oh, Star Trek, that's that like oh, yeah, sci-fi, high concept, interesting thing. People tell me it's really good. I'm like, yeah, let's sit down and we'll watch this scene where the doctor and the captain are obviously trying not to flirt with each other and forgetting yeah. to call each other by their like designations. Yeah, you're right. No, you're right. And this, that's, what, you know, that's what defines it as guilty pleasure. They're, yeah, they, exactly. Like, it's like, I love it. I love it. At the same time. I want to show you this episode. Exactly. (laughs) Well, the other thing that I was going to bring up that I thought was interesting, and this is something I only noticed later. Like I didn't notice there's a lot of that. And we talked about it. The, um, the last episode we did of, of Star Trek, when we were talking about like our favorite episodes, my realization of like best of both worlds is about Riker. Mm, Like that was something that came later in, in life. Well, one thing I, I noticed about this episode is how commander Riker is is actually somewhat able to fight this off like not completely but like i mean he gets he gets it almost last but still he's he's slightly more subdued than you would imagine from commander Riker, who seems to be of that ilk in life Mm. like if you could name one person who probably like in normal world would go out like drinking every night with his buddies probably commander Riker. yeah um and I almost think that that is hinting at, yes, he does do that. That's why he can handle it better than anyone else. It's possible. He lets loose more than anyone else. And that's the thing that, I, again, later in life, I was like, I wonder if that's what they were trying to say, is that he can handle it. Well, something that makes you wonder about, like, especially, like, the crew of the Enterprise, you know, like, they're presented as, like, the, the tip-top specimens of humanity. It's like, And you're thinking that all of these people are people who are exceptionally driven, have, like, mm-hmm. suppressed their wants and their needs in order to move their career forward. They got here for a reason. Um, it makes you wonder if people from this era, the is like, the era where, you know, we don't have Synthahol, where we don't yeah. have all that sort of stuff, if they'd be able to handle this better. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's hard to say. Uh, but... According to this episode, they don't handle it quite well. <laughs> no, no. And it's also kind of crazy to say, like, it's it's impossible to know because the explanation they give for this disease is just so bonkers and non-scientific of, like, weird gravity-induced water that picked up yeah. carbon. And I'm like, and then they're like, oh, it, it mutated. I'm like, how could it mutate? It has no DNA. What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. yeah, it's very, like, it's very anti what star trek becomes later where they they almost become as ironclad as you can yeah. in fiction with their science like they really like make it try to seem realistic they don't in this episode no no it is it's kind of one of those scenarios is like also the interesting thing about watching this in the modern era as in like 20 like post 2020 is seeing how bad they are at keeping this thing contained like how bad they are <laughs> yeah. at quarantining a virus and i'm like why are you letting him just wander off why yeah. are you touching all these people stop yeah. it <laughs> yeah yeah it's very true it spreads real fast real fast wow yeah the naked now huh that's like that's 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 one that uh i honestly i didn't consider on my list like it didn't make it to my short list Mm -hmm. but yeah it's a good pick i mean it's it's that that first season i tell you has some of those moments right yeah it's it's like "Mm." okay there you go the naked now um so my first episode comes is the episode i was watching that inspired this Mm. um and we're gonna go to season two episode three elementary dear data um so elementary dear data is is an episode that was very highly ranked when i looked up imdb stuff and i was going through and like trying to pick episodes and um i i was like but i was watching it and i was thinking like this doesn't make any sense um even for the holodeck like it just doesn't make any sense so elementary dear data is is kind of our first dive into data's um obsession with sherlock holmes 
So this episode, we go to the holodeck. Jordy and Data are going to the holodeck. Data's going to play Sherlock Holmes. Jordy's going to play Dr. Watson. And they're going to have a mystery. But Jordy gets frustrated because Data's memorized all of them. So solves it like instantaneously. And they get challenged by Dr. Pulaski, who we have for one season to replace Dr. Crusher, um, that she, that he can't do it. He's, he's incapable of it because deductive reasoning is something that's human, that it's not something that Data has the, the, the ability to do. And Jordy's like, no, no, Data can do this. Challenge accepted. All three of them go on the holodeck and Jordy gives the, the command that kicks the episode into high gear where he tells the computer make a story and a person that's that's capable of defeating data like we want it we want to be challenged and they create professor moriarty but he has some sense of sentience he he starts to figure things out that he shouldn't know and the episode kind of goes from there what i love about this episode is there are so many great philosophical moments that they kind of pass over, but they pick up the ball up on later. Um, that's what the, about this episode that I think belongs in, in this category of like guilty pleasure. It kind of ends unceremoniously mm-hmm. where Picard, of course, has to go onto the holodeck and, and, you know, outsmart the the villain as, as we meet Picard to do. And, it just kind of ends with like, okay, well, we'll have someone look into this, into why your sentience and why you figure things out, and uh, you give me back control of my ship, and well, we're all good. And then the episode ends. Um, so I think that like what what I there are moments in the dialogue, and there are moments in the episode where I was kind of like going, Ugh, what is the what? Why is it this bad? But then I enjoyed this entire episode all the way through. And I was thinking about this being like, this is a guilty pleasure. It's something where I can point out holes, but I'm having a fun time doing it. And there's so many great moments in this episode that made me laugh and made me smile. And it's just kind of fun. So that that's my pick for number one, Elementary Dear Data. What are your thoughts? I think that's a, a great choice. Um, definitely that is like in that portion of the Venn diagram that's things I'm embarrassed of. The holodeck falls very much into that. <laughs> yeah. um, not only because it's like it's very period piece drama like you can tell it's like tv budget they went and they pulled these like costumes out yeah. of like the the storage lot is like at paramount or something yeah um it like they always try to give these old-timey feels like this like weird like color grading to it yeah. to make it feel older and like it's like and it just kind of comes off feeling like i'm watching like a really old western it's like, mm-hmm. like and um and kind of cheesy but at the same time, there is some really interesting ideas that they can kind of pull out of this. Um, and I think the best example of this is probably the one you've given. This idea of is like what would happen if you gave a computer this, like kind of when the computer is like run by voice command, which are incomplete as a like kind of just random ideas. And what if it just followed that very logically into the point of like, oh, you want a enemy that will be able to defeat the smartest entity on this ship. Okay. Yeah. I can do that. <laughs> I can create that. Yeah. Here, here's, I mean, so first of all, the choice, it's kind of like double layered. First of all, the computer is like Sherlock Holmes, professor Moriarty. Okay. We're going to do something with him. He was Sherlock Holmes's greatest adversary. Yeah. But number two, we're going to give him all the knowledge. We're going to give him the ability to, to see the arch which yeah. is the way you control the holodeck to to understand, not necessarily understand everything, but but be able to learn. 
Yeah. The ability to learn, which is kind of how in Star Trek, they've always defined a sentient being is can yeah. you can you learn in this kind of take in information and it, it helps you grow. So yeah, it, it is an interesting experiment and it's an interesting moment. And that that and the Dr. Pulaski channel, I always liked how Dr. Pulaski comes on the ship and is the first person to be like, Data, you're not real. What are you? You're just like a walking machine. Like she's just immediately before even measure of a man, she's challenging everything about his like existence <laughs> yeah i maybe someday i'll go back to season two and be able to look at pulaski with like fonder eyes of like yeah you know what i see your value but at the moment i'm just still driven by this like earlier version of myself that is like watching this and i'm like you don't know how yeah you don't <laughs> you, you don't belong here <laughs> get out of here dr pulaski what's the it's the interesting thing about there aren't many good Dr. Pulaski episodes. I think this is probably one of the better ones, yeah. but she's not the focus, it, but she is the catalyst for, for the adventure taking off. Um, she's not, she's not awful in this episode. Like it's watchable, but this is what's so interesting about how writing a character is so important and, and how you introduce them is so important. We accept Guinan with open arms. Yep. There's not just because it's Whoopi Goldberg, but because the way they wrote Guinan was she's, she's mysterious. There's some sort of a connection between her and the captain we don't know about. There's some sort of there's something about her that makes that makes her know things and and knowledgeable. And she has a background with Q, which is fascinating. Like they give these little tidbits, but they don't give too much. Yeah. They just introduce her in small ways. Pulaski, she walks on and is like, Data, you're not real. She like literally the, the second time she's ever on the bridge in the second episode that she's in, she calls Data it. Yeah. And like you don't call data it. Like that's like as an audience member, we're like, what? What? <laughs> Get out of here! Like you do that when you have like a villain. You yeah. bring a villain on for one episode. You know we don't like them. They're a jerk, whatever. But Pulaski's just so abrasive, and it's just like, why are you attacking the things we love? But it's like her only quality too. Like that's the other thing. Like yeah. they never figured out what else to do with her other than to be an antagonist for these things. And the funny thing is, like she's like, oh yeah, Data's not capable of deductive reasoning. I'm like, did you watch the last season? Like, yeah. Most you, of the like, time, he saves them. From no, him. She is, that's the thing. She didn't because she wasn't there. Yeah. She's on some star base, and we're all like, what do you do? Like, it's like you coming in here trying to run things. Um, but the, one of the moments I wanted to quickly mention that I thought was, you know how in Star Trek, there's always, it follows a formula. There's always that we got to sit down and talk this out. Mm -hmm. And for the audience, we have to eliminate some of the obvious. So when they sit down, they're like, okay, why can't we just turn the holodeck off? Oh, because this thing's happening. Oh, he's got, we, we think he's got some sort of control. We can't do this. We can't do this. We can't do this. So they eliminate everything. Well, one, one of the funniest moments is so Pulaski's been kidnapped. She's been kidnapped by Moriarty the, on the holodeck. Data and and uh, Jordy have left. They've gone to, to speak to the captain. They're all sitting down. So the idea is, how do we get Dr. Pulaski? And after eliminating everything, finally, someone just asks, like, isn't there a way to just, like, force all the photonic energy, like, out of there? Like, it's it's basically, photonic energy is basically created matter. It's a similar technology as their transporter. It's how can we recompose matter and create things? And it's not real, but it's, like, it's photonic. Yeah. So so Jordy says, yes, yeah, we've got this particle beam that if we use, it will literally rip the photonic energy out of there. It will take care of Moriarty. It'll take care of the streets. Everything will be gone. And Commander Riker says, uh, and the doctor and Jordy just goes, oh yeah, she'll she'll be killed too. 
<laughs> It'll rip her skin apart. And and all I'm thinking is, why would you then suggest that? Like that's you wasted time suggesting. Oh yeah, no, no, it'll kill her too. Like well, I feel like Jordy might not care. Like it's like, yeah, yeah, he's, like he's looking through like his list. I was like, get back control of the ship, do all these things. Like and yeah. at the very bottom, it's like, oh yeah, and save oh, that person. Not, like. If you have time, yeah. <laughs> like, like yeah, and it's it's definitely um, yeah. But I again. I love that episode because I think with Moriarty, they created an amazing villain. I think Star Trek The Next Generation is one of the best shows to create interesting villains. And unlike that show that shall not be named, there's something called subtlety that exists in Star Trek The Next Generation where you, I, I truly believe if you walk into a room and have to say you're something, you're probably not that thing. Yeah. Moriarty has this great moment where he's kidnapped Pulaski and they're having a conversation. He's trying to like whittle more information out of her. And, you know, he, he basically hides her when Data comes back and Data asks like, where's Dr. Pulaski? He says she's safe. And Data says like, have you hurt her? And all he says is if I have to, and that's it. Yeah. And that, and you believe he could hurt her. Yep. He's been nothing but polite. But there's something sinister about him, and he's so intelligent and powerful that that's all he has to say. He just says, well, if I have to. And then he says, but I have some questions for you, and then moves on. That's all you need. In the show that must not be named, you'd have like, uh, well, if I have to, six ninjas would drop down. We'd have to have a fight, and then Data would be like, please, gentlemen, choose to live. And then we'd like fight, and then, you know, that would be the end of the episode. It would end on a cliffhanger of, of heads being chopped off. But we don't need that. We just need that subtle moment of, you know, uh, and just to correct something, I can mention Star Trek Picard. It's the other show I don't want to talk yeah, about. Oh, yes. Is, I'm very aware of which one it is. I gave, okay, I, gave, I gave an example from Picard, but that's just Picard deserves to at least have its name said. The other one does not. You may refer to it as Discovery or STD. That's about it. Okay. Um, episode. What's your second episode, Tyler? So my second episode um, is actually comes from season six. So I think most of our episodes will probably be from early or late stage yeah. uh, Star Trek. For sure. Um, so this is season six, episode seven, uh, the episode called Rascals. Um, so this one falls under what I would call a category, a category of high concept, but stupid. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. when... High concept is in sci-fi when basically you have this idea, this concept that um, is is like more important than the other elements. It's like you really want to take this idea and explore all the elements of it. And so this is pretty much like every episode of Black Mirror. You have a yeah. weird idea. What are the ramifications? Yeah. Um, Star Trek has a lot of great high concept episodes like um second chances which is like when Riker has his doppelganger or offspring when data has his like when data is giving like birth to a it's like another and all those are great episodes um and then there's rascals which is the concept is what would have happened if the teleporter somehow managed to turn some of the crew back into children which like i don't know like I, if I was a writer on Star Trek, that wouldn't have ever been my first thought. Nope. As like what to do. So, so whoever pitched this must have been running out of ideas and was like, "I gotta do. I can pitch something, or they're gonna fire me." <laughs> this is definitely season six idea. We're we're yeah, talking yeah. like hundreds of. We're talking over a hundred episodes into Star Trek at this point, and someone's like, "I don't know. What if?" Picard became a child. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, Picard's a Picard's a teenager. 
Yeah. And so, that's trouble. <laughs> so it's like, and then it creates for like, obviously a lot of op- like opportunities for not so great child TV actors to have their field day. It's like, and so all of that is under this embarrassing category. Um, however, as embarrassing as it is, it also produces some pretty funny moments. Um, some, and the, the people they decide to de-age are interesting because Picard's the only one of like the main cast. You yeah. also have Guinan. You also mm-hmm. have uh, Ensign Rowe and uh, uh, Keiko, who's uh, Chief O'Brien's um, wife. They also get like de-aged. And mm-hmm. how they all respond to this is just so funny. You have to watch Picard as a child try to run a starship. Mm-hmm. You have to watch Guinan interact with Ensign Rowe and trying to get her to have a childhood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you Rowe's have... Rowe's just like a moody teen. Whereas like Guinan's the only one who seems like super into this. She's like, oh, thank you. <laughs> like, it's been so long since I've been yeah. a child. <laughs> Guinan just takes it the way a being of her knowledge would. It's like, well, this will be fun for a couple of days. Yeah. And I'll, but I'm sure we'll fi- figure it out. Like, whatever. I've been everything. I've been around so long. Why not be a child again? What a great time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, and so it produces these great moments. It produces these these funny things. It's like, um, And it is kind of like, they fit it into the story nicely that the Enterprise ends up getting taken over by Ferengi. And then since the Ferengi, like, don't assume that the children are going to be anything to worry about. They don't guard them as heavily as they do the adults and senior officers. Yeah, as as probably would happen in most scenarios. It's like they're children. What are they going to do? Yeah. Exactly. So it it's like they work it into the plot really well. And like at the end of it, like I remember when it first happened. I was first watching the show, and they like they had set they have this set up, and they're like, and he, and the young Picard first calls record like number one. I'm just like, oh, this is going to be a rough go. <laughs> yeah. But then I got to the end of it, and I was like, kind of looked back fondly like you know yeah. what like much like Guinan I'm glad that I was out along for this journey and enjoyed yeah. jumping up and down on this bed with you folks for a while <laughs> you get like you get a couple nice moments with Worf's son Alexander yep. and you know you get you can tell in season six they're trying to write more for Keiko and O'Brien because they they were going to move them over to DS9 yeah which starts at season seven of like uh Star Trek or somewhere through maybe I think it might have been mid mid-season six but it was somewhere within there so they were trying to incorporate both of them in a little bit more so you know it's it's always nice to see your non-main cast have like i always liked when ensign rose on one of the adventures yeah like i always thought that that was nice to like see like another crew member who's who's like reoccurring i always liked that yeah so i i definitely agree with that you look back on that episode with with some fondness yeah and it also produces, I was watching this with my my wife at the time, and we were watching this thing, and there's this scene where Keiko now as a child is talking to O'Brien, and they're having that awkward conversation about, like, are we going to stay married if this is, like, <laughs> the norm? And then, like, it spawned in my wife and I were talking, like, what would happen if one of us became a child again? <laughs> well, yeah, that's, I mean, it, it, a lot changes, right? I mean, what was interesting is they had the mind of themselves exactly. physically they had they were different so like yeah it it was it is you're right it's an it's a high concept yeah that they that they threw in there but it did seem like they were just kind of throwing things to see like well this could this could work but again like like what star trek does i want to disagree with one thing you say said a little bit because i think you you said this is high concept but like bad (laughs) (laughs) i think this is high concept done the best way you possibly could have done it and i think that's what star trek does they they do the opposite of the problem I always have with movies. 
where I love this concept poorly executed. Yeah. Star Trek takes a concept that's like, can that even work? Like, what is that? And then they execute it well. And you're like, okay. Like, could you imagine that on like almost any other show? It would be like a reach or like weird to be like, oh, your characters are now teenagers. Like it's, it would be weird. But Star Trek, especially the next generation had a way of like, let's make this the best we possibly could. And they did it. Yeah, I have to agree that it's, um, when I say high concept, but stupid, I'm more referring to the idea itself than the execution. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The concept yeah, you're absolutely right there. Is, is like, is high concept only in the, in the usual parlance of movie going in terms of every other use of the word high, be it for intelligence or whatnot, it is not intelligent. No. And I like, I like the vision you give of the writer's room of the guy being like, I don't know, like. Picard's a Picard's a teen. Like, no, he hates <laughs> children. He's a child yeah, again. He's a child like, there's gonna now. be something go. there, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. Okay, I love that. That's that's good. I like that. Um, my next episode is is from season seven. Mm. So another late episode, season seven, episode seventeen, masks, <laughs> um, which is an episode that a lot of people hate. There's a lot of hate for this episode. Yep. There's two episodes on my list that that I've read and seen from other people like they just they despise these episodes. Um, I think masks is totally underrated for what it does. So so the concept of masks is they they the the Enterprise shows up to 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 investigate something and and they're, they're it's like a probe and and they're scanning it and little by little this probe has put little things into the ship's computers. So we've got we've got things showing up. There, there's a there's a vase with weird signs on it that's on Deanna Troy's table that wasn't there before. Oh, Commander Riker must have got it for you. We're going to ignore it. But as people watching, we're like, hmm, suspicious, <laughs> right? Like the characters dismiss it, but we go, no, something's up here. Which is kind um, of funny because you after seven seasons worth of weird things happening, like, I would be so paranoid. Like the moment I feel even like a slight headache, I'd be like, oh my god, the Romulans have taken me somehow. I don't know what's going on. Isn't that though what makes it so much fun for us as the viewer? Yeah. Like that's the thing about season seven is I don't believe Star Trek: The Next Generation ever got old for me because even though characters could easily dismiss things, we are like, oh boy, here it comes. Up. I don't know what, but I'm gonna get like. And and the thing that I always remember is like at most you get 26 episodes a season. So I always look at this as like that's 26 days out of a year. So they might forget things because we're not seeing so much things that that happen on this ship. Yeah. We're not seeing all these stories. So I've always excused that as like, well, that one time Romulans did something, you can't assume it's going to happen again. That's true. But as an audience member, I go, oh, I think the Romulans are behind this. Like, you know, <laughs> they wouldn't be going to be this if it wasn't important. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing about masks is they they do they do deliver things quickly, but but you know, soon, soon as you, you start figuring out, okay, something's up here. The crew starts figuring out more things start popping up and the computer's almost taken over by symbols and by things and ancient ruins that look like, you know, things we might find in, in Egypt are like erupting throughout the ship and the ship's being physically transformed. Um, and what I like about this episode is we get Brent Spiner doing multiple characters. Yeah. So data gets taken over and because it's data and it was easy and it's a machine, he basically, by still looking at him, but this one little thing on his his like uniform changes to tell you what character he is or like a little uh, mark on his head, like his forehead will have like a moon and then it'll have like a sun and it'll have like different things on it. He changes characters almost 
instantaneously. Like there's a great scene when Picard's trying to figure this out. Data's locked in his quarters because they've locked him there. And Data goes from like scared old man to to rascal to to like someone's lover back to old man and like jumps from character to character to character. And it's such a unique thing that like he shows how much of a great actor I think he is yeah. that Brent Spiner was able to just go from character to character while, while still being data, but being basically in, these things have been completely taken over him. So he he's completely, you know, gone and all these characters keep popping out and Picard has to figure out this mystery. I always love Picard sorting through mystery episodes. Yeah. They're, they're some of my, some of my favorites. So yeah, for me, masks, I just think it's underrated. And and yes, again, it, I would agree of, of like something that you said in your last episode, the, the concepts kind of, kind of out there. It's, uh, it is kind of something like, I don't know, they like, they find a probe and like the masks, you know, take over and, and you know, they, it's an ancient civilization or something. I don't know. And, and it just turns into something cool because you learn about a, a civilization's downfall. And this was the way to try to sort of preserve all of their, their myth, their mythos. And, and the Enterprise basically gets, you know, caught in it. And, and they get to learn all about this 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 other uh, culture, which I th- I think was really interesting about Star Trek is they embraced learning about other cultures. Your ship's being taken over, and Picard is trying to figure it out by learning about the culture. He's not just firing phasers at it and fighting it. It's, I got to figure this out and become part of this culture in order to end this story. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely distinguishes it from a lot of the original series. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I wish I could be on, as as uh, positive on this episode <laughs> um, because it's not a bad episode. It's like mm-hmm. well, okay, it's it's like it is in the lower register of season seven episodes for me. Yes, yeah. um, it is. They're starting to stretch here. Yeah, we're, we're <laughs> not the, yeah. we're not like sub Rosa levels. Like no, not yet. No, <laughs> Beverly with her weird grandmother's ghost. It's like boyfriend is like uh, at levels here, but we're getting there. Um, I would say that for me, this is like one of those things where like the concept itself is very interesting. The mystery they present is very intriguing, but I'm not able to follow the logic jumps it Mm. takes to get to the final solution. Like when we finally get to this like big showdown between Picard and Data as like this goddess and they're wearing masks and stuff and people are just kind of saying things that end up being true. I'm just going to (laughs) like, there's so much that you don't know. I have no idea how you were able to come to this correct answer. Yeah, like Picard just gets everything right, which is definitely a little bit like a little too convenient. Again, I've always dismissed it as Picard. This is Picard's wheelhouse. Mm. He he was an archaeologist, you know, at at heart. That's what he did. And he understanding cultures and and he's somebody who can do that. But you're right. They they jumped to the end very quickly. I mean, the, the entire end, the whole standoff is data pretending to be a goddess and and Picard puts on a mask and is like, you're the sun and I'm the moon. It's time to rest. <laughs> and it's like, okay. <laughs> and the episode ends. So yeah, you're right. It is it's a little it's a little convenient. But I don't know. There's something about that I like. Yeah. I like the simplicity of it. It's just about the sun setting. It's know? nice that we get that simplicity at the end because I think there's a lot happening in this episode. And that's kind of the 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 reason why the mystery kind of falls flat for me is because there's no dead ends and turning around. Like there's no moment where they hit a, a wrong turn and then have to find like, okay, no, we need to do like every assumption they make ends up being correct. Um, 
And I think the reason for that is because there's so much else going on. We have data with all those different personalities. We have the ship transforming. We have all of this happening. We don't have time for them to be making wrong guesses. So the story of itself, the mystery, is a direct link. This to this to this to this with all this other like kind of mm -hmm. noise happening around it. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I feel like that really prevents me from appreciating the mystery um, even while some of the window dressing around it is pretty great Star Trek stuff. Yeah. And I would never, I agree. I would never show this to anybody. Like I would, this is not the episode I would be like, this is the episode I'd be like, Oh, you've watched seasons three through, you know, six. And the, it's just great after episode after great episode of great episode. Like that, then watch this like this. I'm not introducing anyone to yeah. next generation with this episode. Yeah. When you've, <laughs> you've sucked up all of a and B tier star Trek and you're running yeah. out of stuff and you're like, I need more. You're like, well, if you're yeah. interested in. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, when I was a kid watching star Trek, that's all it was. I just wanted more. Yeah. Right. Like there's, there's, you know, the fact that there's, you know, well over a hundred episodes that you can enjoy. There's seven seasons worth, you know, some of them have 26 episodes. It's like, it's perfect if you love it to binge it. Cause you're going to get episodes like this here and there, but it's your characters that you love doing something. Yeah. So, you know, regardless of what it is, you, you can give it a pass. Exactly. Um, okay. What's your third one? Uh, so number three, um, I was looking through a bunch of the characters, the reoccurring characters that aren't main cast, but they show up over and over again. And they have a tendency when they show up to fall into the embarrassment category. <laughs> yeah. um, there were some that came to mind. Wesley Crusher is definitely one. Is like, um, But there is like in terms of like moments when he's younger, where you can just get that like awkward kind of like, oh, that wasn't the best. No, no fault on Will Wheaton's part. He was doing a no. good job for what he was no. like. Yeah. Um, but it was like there was other characters like sometimes Q can be a bit much. The mariachi mm -hmm. band comes to mind. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the more the, as Q gets later, he becomes more of that farcical character. Yeah, he, where he seems very. Threat. Yeah, he's a threat at the beginning. But I mean, again, he becomes very much like that god of mischief. Yep. You know, he he, he reminds me a lot of the way you know, Loki is in, mm -hmm. in the comic books, at least where he does do some bad things, but he's more about mischief yeah. and causing mischief than he is about being evil. Because he really actually does like these people. He just mm -hmm. also, this is how he interacts with this them. He, yeah, yeah. So he doesn't know any better. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I, as I looked through most of those episodes, I was kind of like, no, nah, all these are good. None of them are guilty. Yeah. It's like, um, and then I came across a character who every time she shows up, I feel like a little embarrassed, mostly for some of the characters on board, but also just kind of that I'm watching this. Um, but I still love the episodes nonetheless. And this is Troy's mother, uh, Loxana Troy. <laughs> yeah, okay. So the episode I picked is season two, episode 19, Manhunt. Oh, um, I love Manhunt. Which Great. is when she shows up to this, like, like literally, like usually there's like a major like story plot of like, mm -hmm. like high stakes. And then there's character stuff that intertwines with it. This one is like the flip. There is like a story that's going to end up having high stakes, but like the entirety of the main plot is really Troy's mother shows up on the ship. She's going through betazoid menopause where her sex drive is really, really high. And she's decided she's going to marry Captain Picard. Yeah. And that's, that's it. That's what she wants. To marry him. <laughs> and it's a ridiculous premise. It has all these things. It has the holodeck in it. It has like weird, like tensions and awkwardness and just like, like, teeth grindingly cringy moments but it's all just so funny I just well, get the so Dixon Hill 
connection. Like Dixon Hill is something that you get at like sort of Picard's fascination with, yep. with, a, you know, an earth uh, detective kind of role. And, and I like him doing Dixon Hill stuff. So you get that. Cause that's where he goes to, to escape her. She's going to hide. He's going to hide in the holodeck. <laughs> to try to get He's got to escape her as she hunts around the ship. Um, yeah. It, you picked a great episode that was on my list. It didn't make it. Mm. So I'm glad you, you brought it up. Fun fact, um, I don't, you know that, so the band Fleetwood Mac, Hmm. um, uh, Mick Fleetwood, who's like one of the leads of Fleetwood Mac, he's one of those aliens at the end. Really? Yeah, that's Mick Fleetwood is, is, is the one who's, you know, the aliens that they're staying, they they eat the weird slop at the end, but they're like frozen the whole episode. Yeah, they're in like carbon, whatever. Yeah, he's that, he's the main guy. He's the one who speaks. That's Mick Fleetwood is his name. Yeah, I learned that from another video. I was watching like a YouTuber thing and they were talking about Star Trek and he was like, yeah, that's Fleetwood Mac. That's that's Mick Fleetwood from Fleetwood Mac. I'm like, what? Because <laughs> everyone just at the time, people who were huge Star Trek fans were like, if they're famous, like put me in there. Exactly. Just throw me in prosthetics. I'll stand yeah. back there. <laughs> I don't care. I want to be in Star Trek. Yeah. Oh, that was a great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't have too much to say about this episode, really, in terms of like right deeper. Episode, th- yeah. It's like it is just like so funny. There is. The sequence when it's like Picard is invited to what he thinks is a dinner for the entire senior staff. Oh, it's great. But it's actually just him. And it's obvious. Doesn't he go around the ship where he's like, see you at dinner tonight? And everyone's yeah. like, and it's like, and Riker's like, what are you doing? And Pulaski <laughs> obviously knows. There's a moment yeah. where she's like, no, I already ate. And she walks away. And then when Deanna's talking to her later and it's like, well, why didn't you stop him? And he, she's like, <laughs> Well, you know, I think it's good to keep my is like my patient's reflexes is like up. That's hilarious. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. So she sets him up basically. She's much. Just like she could have saved him the trouble, but no, Blasky wants to again, just wants to mess with the characters we love. That's what Blasky does. That's what she she's about. Throws, yeah, throws curveballs. Yeah. But his his way out of it of effectively inviting data over to bore her into submission. Oh, Right. Um, it's so great and then the moment he has with data where he's like data you'll never know how much i owe you for that and he's like oh well i have more limits data later <laughs> and that's the thing like data is just so especially the like early data like young data is is always just missing social cues yeah so he's under the impression that he's there because they're, they're fast. You know, Picard's so fascinated by what he said. So it's like, well, I have more knowledge. Yeah. If I can fascinate you, I'll, I'll give you more knowledge. And then, yeah, that moment at the end is so good because he's, he's just, he thinks it's just like, oh, well, I've got, I mean, I don't know how this helped you, but I've got lots more interesting facts to share with you. <laughs> like, it's just, he just doesn't, he doesn't get it where most other people would kind of at the end probably understand. But yeah, Picard uses data in a very, very funny way in that episode. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's great. very good. Yeah. I love that episode. That's a, I'm glad you brought it up. Um, it, I just, I took it off my list because there's so many things about it. That's too good. Yeah. Like I, I understand it's like, and when I was looking through a lot of her other episodes, like they're all actually just pretty good. Like menage a Troy was another one that oh, I almost put on great. here. Yeah. Um, but it gave us some of the best Picard memes of all time. So I can't really put a fault that too much. Yeah. And, and that's the thing about you present a character who, who, who really is a different speed than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Like she's, she's much more open with her emotions. She's a true empath. Unlike Deanna Troy, who like she, Troy gets a lot of like heat from people being like her powers never work. It's like, but she's not 
a true empath. She's empathic in nature. And they say that all the time. Yeah. She can kind of feel people's emotions, but she has no idea what people are thinking. It's like flashes. It's moments. It's And I think that when you bring on her mother, even if she's like wrong, she's just like throwing out, oh, you're thinking this. Or like, it's just, it's throws everyone for a loop and i love it i love it yeah. that's always the I'm question right like is she wrong or is she actually or are people actually or thinking not. these things even if just for like a fleeting moment fleeting moment yeah and she's grabbing something that's there yeah and i who knows and i just i think that um that because that's that was gene Roddenberry's uh wife at the time or, or maybe they were separated when by the time he died I, I don't remember um but they were married um, who, who plays Roxanne Troy, um, Majel Barnett, I think is, mm-hmm. is her name. Um, so they, I know they were married and she was, she was an original, she had a different character on the original series. Um, and it was nice to bring her back, you know, to do something different. Does she play Chapel in the original she's series? Chapel. Yeah, she's Nurse Chapel. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, she's Nurse Chapel. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the minute you said that, I'm like, who would she have been? And then like, it just did one yeah. of those kind of like face swaps in my head yeah. of like, oh, yeah, and no. listen to the. It's the voice. You have to yeah. close your eyes and listen to the voice. It's it's her. Oh, it's yeah. such a different characters. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, but again, that was so cool. Like she was Nurse Chapel, and then like years later, when the show, like she's obviously a lot older when they did this show than she was before. So she could do a completely different character, and it worked. Like wow. it was really cool. Yeah. Mind blown. Yeah. There you go, Nurse Chapel. Um, yeah, that's a great. I'm glad you brought that up. It it almost made it on my list. So so very good. Um, my next episode's a two parter. Mm. Um, and most of the two-parters I think are too good to mm. be on here but this one for the flack it takes I'm going to defend it a little bit okay. but also I do admit there are things in here that are a little bit of a stretch so it's the season 5 finale and the season 6 kickoff Times Arrow part 1 and 2 mm. so Times Arrow we've got uh, the, the Enterprise is called back to Earth and they discover Data's head in, in somewhere in Earth, in a cave on Earth. And it's been there for hundreds of years. They don't understand how. They pretty much deduce that at some point in time in the future, they're going to be sent back in time, or Data's going to at least be sent back in time, and he's going to die. So Data is faced with mortality, but more so than even Data being faced with mortality, the crew of the Enterprise is faced with Data's mortality, and they take it harder um, than he does. But this episode basically has them go to a planet to try to discover, okay, how, how could this be back here? How could this, that doesn't belong in this time frame belong here? They find a planet where these alien creatures are doing something. They don't understand why. Data gets thrown back in time. They figure out how it happens and the crew goes to get them. They go back in time to try to get them. Um, and they meet, they meet Mark Twain. And that's where <laughs> the episode, that's where to me is where things get real weird. And and there's two there's two aspects of this that that I think it belongs in guilty pleasure. One, I think it, it's a little bit of anticlimactic as to why Guinan and Picard met. Like I think I don't particularly like this. I like what happens, mm-hmm. but using this episode to kind of reveal that i don't know if i ever it was probably the first experience of me not wanting a mystery solved yeah being okay with it being ambiguous because no matter what you tell me it's never going to match what i i'm imagining in my head like it's never going to live up to it um and the second thing is is i think mark twain is a bit of a weird thing to, to to include in this episode however 
where I like it and I enjoy it is, is through many circumstances, Mark Twain accidentally gets sent back to the future instead of Picard. So you get the crews back kind of midway through, I think it's like in the second episode or after the, you know, the, the finales happened, Picard's stuck with Guinan back in time and you've got Mark Twain on the Enterprise. And the conversation that him and Troy have is actually one of my favorite Star Trek moments Yeah, where he's basically like, what are you talking about? You've conquered all these worlds. He's putting it in his time frame of colonialism, of that type of thing. And, and her saying, no, 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 we've corrected this. We go out and we do it properly. We seek out new life and new civilizations, not to conquer, but to learn. And everyone on this ship is here because they want to be here. No one's forced to be part of the Federation. We've cured hunger. Because that's what he says. Like, what about the weak and the sick? What about the, where Where are the poor? There's always poor. And she's like, no, no, we've cured that. No one in the Federation is hungry. No one in this future on Earth is poor. Everyone has resources they need. And humanity has evolved to a point where a material gain is no longer of interest. We're interested in exploration. You know, but he's looking at it from our eyes. Where he's like, how much did this ship cost? Yeah. How did you, like, like that's so that he comes on. And I love that. That makes the episode worth it for me and makes it memorable is that interchange between those two. Well, it's a, like a very much a, a kind of a thing of um, there's an old phrase, uh, too many hats. Is like when you're talking about the yes. uh, the story where like I use it all the time. You put Tyler. on one crazy hat, yeah. <laughs> and I al- and- I always say to people, especially in marketing, because a lot of what we do in marketing is stop putting a hat on a hat. Yeah. Sometimes you put on this crazy hat and then put another one on top of it, and like it's a hat on a hat on a hat, and it's too much. But anyway, continue. Well, exactly. You put like <laughs> one crazy hat, and people are like, "All right, okay, I guess I can deal with that." And you put on yeah. another one and another one. It's like, and this is kind of one of those episodes where it just keeps on adding more hats. But like, exactly, <laughs> there's a reason for each. Like, is like when you look at it, you're like, that's ridiculous. But if you like see what you can get out of that second hat, so you put the one hat on, it's like Data's head is back in, like they found back in time, and you're like, okay, that's a crazy hat. But then they explain, it's like, oh yeah, but like it makes everyone think about his mortality, and it's like, and that juxtaposition between how he deals with it versus how a human would deal with it. He's almost happy. Like he, yeah. he's, he's relieved that he has a a end point just like a human being exactly it where, makes him where, feel more human yes he doesn't know when it's going to happen yeah which just like a human being but it's going to happen whereas almost everyone else like like picard and riker and and well not so much troy because she's like helping them deal with it but definitely picard and riker are like they hate it yeah they hate the idea and Jordy too yeah that that data could die they just, they always thought, no, no, he'll, he'll be around forever. And there was like a comfort to them. Picard doesn't let him go on the away mission. Riker is like in complete turmoil over the whole thing. Doesn't even select him for the mission. Jordy's like talking to data being like, why isn't this freaking you out more? Yeah. Like, don't you have to talk? I love that moment where he's like, don't you have to talk about it? And Data's like, no, do you have to talk about it? And Jordy's like, yeah, <laughs> I do have to. And he's like, oh, okay, okay, yes, well, let's discuss it then. You know, <laughs> trying to be a good friend. Like he's, Jordy's his friend. So he's trying, as a robot would, he's like, okay, friend needs to discuss, even though it's about him. Yeah. It's like, okay, okay, yes, tell me about these feelings you have about my death. Go ahead. <laughs> well, and that's the great thing, right? Like weird hat, 
great but like great explanation for why you put yeah. that hat on and then we like yeah. we go back in time as like and we meet mark twain second strange hat <laughs> you're like okay but then you get these like cool like ideas and like and kind of exchanges of like ideas from like old timing to like our future from our past to our future and yeah. kind of seeing yeah. the the interaction of those two things and it's just like they keep on putting on these weird hats but they keep on coming up for compelling reasons for why i'm kind yeah. of interested in that hat i guess i just wished when the Guinan thing happened they kept it a mystery yeah. like 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 even just have her be part of the story and have her be back there but don't have any sort of explanation as to i mean they do a good job of like they don't really explain how she got there or who she is all she says is she thinks at the beginning when data realizes guidance in this century he's like what and now it's a younger Guinan, which we don't know yeah. until later and data shows up and is like talking to her she thinks her her father sent him yeah well your father's i'm not and he he interrupts her because she's like you have to tell my father like I'm not ready to come back. And then she's about to continue. And Data goes, I wasn't sent here by your father. And it's like, what were we about to learn? Exactly. <laughs> and they did the right thing by stopping it. <laughs> like, and I wish they did that with the, the, the kind of story in a, in a way, you know, like I didn't want to know the Picard thing with, with, with her, but I do, I liked that we got glimpses of Guinan in this. Yeah. Yeah, it's like there's another episode where Guinan describes her relationship to Picard as more than friendship, more than family. It's like, and it's like if this is the answer to it, it is unfortunately very, um, like not the best answer in the world. And it's like, but like with that kind of a buildup of like friend, more than friendship, more than family, there's mm -hmm. no way there was going to be an explanation that would have made me happy with it. So better just yeah. leave it. If and if if that hadn't been even the moment when they when they first met like maybe maybe this picard for whatever reason and, and the weird things time works doesn't know guinan but guinan knew him yeah guinan knew at that time who he was because she also the one thing that this did solve is she says at some point in time to, to i think jordy at some other episode like a bald man was kind to me once mm -hmm. so i'm i'm attracted to bald men yeah like that they were talking about like and and you learn that he saved her life mm -hmm. like picard who saved guinan's life back in this time and i think it would have been very interesting to 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 continue to play out the fact that actually this isn't the first time we met. This is the first time you've realized that there's something different about me, but we didn't meet in this time. And Guinan knew who Picard was when he showed up. Like that would have been interesting to me if like this was the second time they've met and he saved her life or something. Like I just, it, you're right. It's like that explanation to me isn't solved here. Okay, he saved her life, but like that, that doesn't explain the closeness that she described. Yeah, yeah, very true. Um, okay, what's your fourth episode? So my fourth episode falls under this category that's a very niche thing that I really like. Um, there, it's what I call return in media res episodes. So these are episodes where people have gone away from the Enterprise to do something. And yeah. they're coming back and find the Enterprise in some form of disarray. Something has happened. And then they have mm -hmm. to try and figure out what needs to be done. The episode I was going to put into this slot was Timescape, which is an episode where um, Jordy, Picard, Troy, it's like um, maybe someone else, maybe Crusher, go off to a uh, conference. And when they come back, they find that the Enterprise and a Romulan Warbird are frozen in time in the middle oh, yeah. of what appears yeah. to be yeah. like, a battle. It's LaForge, LaForge, Troy, Picard, Data. Yeah, Data, right. Before some. Yeah. yeah. And then, and so you're 
like and then the whole mystery is kind of trying to solve what's going on here and like and the more i thought about it the more i was like you know what no that's an amazing episode that's too good to be on this that might be one of the best (laughs) tng episodes i should have put that on my list before yeah yeah (laughs) it's a fantastic episode yeah Yeah. so then i moved away from that i'm like okay but there is a in media res return episode that is not very good and it's called Genesis. Um, I knew you were going to go there. I knew it. I knew it. I didn't. I, Genesis was on it. It didn't make it on my list. But I was like, I'm sure Tyler will bring this up. It's too clearly has to be on this list. It is a mo- It is another season seven episode, episode 19. Um, and it's just this like they go. It's like um, I think it's Data and Picard go away to recover yeah. a torpedo that Worf accidentally shoots off into the abyss. And yeah. when they come back. Everybody is in this state of like de-evolution. Um, Even though most people came from the same planet, there's a lot of de-evolution happening. For some here. reason, like like and like and different levels. Like Commander Riker is a Neanderthal. Barkley's a spider. Which like how which, far back do you have to go to get that? Yeah, <laughs> like Barkley being a spider was what kind of threw me off, and it, it fit like the personality. Like I liked seeing as they they flashed back and saw some of the transformation moments. Yeah. of his like his speed up talk. Like like he, he was very very good at that. Yep. But yeah, the spider thing was like, well, this shouldn't he also be like a earlier ape type of thing like that you would think but yeah and then like troy became some sort of weird like amphibian thing based off of betazoid is like uh, like and then uh meanwhile wharf becomes this like murderous is like spewing is like predator which you know knowing what we want to know of klingons makes sense that this would have been more in their ancestry and what what i will say is as a kid that frightened me yeah like this was almost like a horror episode because they arrive back on the ship and all the lights are out and and they can't get the power back on and they hear animal noises, and it's just the two of them walking throughout, hearing like animal sounds. Yeah, like it's very it, the atmosphere for this is very very scary. Yeah, completely agree. And it's like the greatest thing about in media res episodes is that like it's the mystery. Something is happening, yeah. and we're trying to figure out what's going on. While Timescape's mystery ends up being uh, like the answer is just as amazing as the reveals. Um, in this one, I find once you finally get to that final thing, if you know what's going on, you're like, well, this is kind of silly. But the, <laughs> yes, yeah. but the build up to it, the atmosphere, the uncertainty, the body horror elements, like all of these mm-hmm. things are surprisingly well done. And it does create for a very distinct and different Star Trek episode, um, if not one of their best. Yeah, and I, I think that that's the thing about it belongs on this list for every reason that you just gave about the fact that it it's so weird and the payoff is kind of like, oh, okay. But there's just something so fun about the ride of this episode. Yeah. Um, and, and I do think those episodes of going away and coming back, those can be some of the best episodes of, of the series. And you picked one that is like, it was going to be on my list. I'm glad you talked about it because it's just so like anyone listening who, who, if there's anyone listening to this podcast, who doesn't like Star Trek, I don't know what you're doing here, but if you are, um, then, then you would probably be like, that sounds stupid, but I mean, it is. (laughs) And yet yet the ride is so fascinating. I think because it's in season seven, it's a different feeling than if it was in season one, we'd be like, we're not watching this weird show. (laughs) Yeah. Why are we doing this at this point? You've got me. I'm invested now. Like, Sure. Let's yeah. do this thing with it's like a wharf shooting venom out of his weird neck glands. Like, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so my fourth episode is one from also season seven. 
Mm. Um, well, I, I can kind of agree with you. Season seven lends to a lot of these. We're running out of ideas. Things. Yep. This is an episode that is our last moment with Wesley Crusher. So mm. it's episode 20 of season seven journeys end. So we're coming to the end of the series here. We're only a couple episodes near the end and, and um, you get Wesley, a more disgruntled, older, jaded Wesley who returns, who's falling out of love with Starfleet. He's not as into the Academy as he was when he was sort of like that bright-eyed young kid leaving. He, he's clearly things have been tough for him. He's not 100% into it. Um, and But the reason why this episode is on there works for me, because the Wesley side of it is kind of like one of the two things going on. The Enterprise is sent to a planet where um, basically an entire community and group of aboriginals have have been displaced off of earth and have found a home here and this is one of the episodes that really connects to what's going on in deep space nine where you have these colonies that were set up that after the war that had happened between the federation and the cardassians the federation and cardassians basically signed a treaty giving up some of their planetary space so you have a planet that has uh, this group that settled there. And you can already see the connection of a foreign government from somewhere else is basically going to have to come here and tell these people to leave. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what Picard is placed on doing. And what's interesting about this episode is, is that it, it lends to so many different things is Picard does it. He follows orders. He's objected to it. You can tell he has a moral problem with this, not just because of the history that exists, um, of, you know, members of, you know, the first indigenous nations and Aboriginal communities being forced out. Like they, he even talks about that when in America, this happened, yeah. you know, you know, these people were, were forced out of their land and then they left the planet and found somewhere else. And now we're going to do it again. But he follows the order, which is a change and a growth that happens when later in the movies, he doesn't follow the order. He, he actually fights against it in, in insurrection. He yeah. doesn't want a group of people to be displaced from their home. And I, and I find that struggle what I love about Star Trek. I don't think Picard does the right thing, but he follows orders, tries to do it to the best of his ability, tries to do a peaceful resolution, is conflicted the entire time, and the people he meet bring up really good points as to why they shouldn't be moved. And it's a, fa it's a fascinating thing where the episode ends with almost no real resolution. You know, you because you, you've got this Wesley story where where that um, the kind of uh, traveler returns that we've met a couple of times, and he takes Wesley away because Wesley's like a Mozart type person is how he describes him. He's he's special and needs to go away, um, and he's going to learn things from the traveler. So, but Wesley sees that conflict in Starfleet and does what Picard later does, and Picard and Wesley have a big argument about it where. Wesley tells the people you're going to be moved. They're either going to like, they're going to force you or trick you. They're going to try to move you and, and kind of interrupts the plan yeah. that Starfleet put together. And at the same time, you've got the Cardassians showing up being like, get these people out of here. So it's such a, to me, it's such a fascinating episode. Um, and it ends very much with like, I don't think Starfleet did the right thing. Yeah. And I think Picard knows it and he's changed for it. But it, a lot of people f take a lot of flack on this episode and a lot of people point it out as, you know, a big problem. And one of the issues they bring up is the language of the time is still in 1990, whatever, when this episode was written. 
So they're not using the proper language to identify an indigenous person. And people take, take a lot of shots at Star Trek for that. But what I say is they, language evolves. Language and understanding and things evolve. This is in the early 90s. Star Trek was one of the only shows doing things like this, was basically saying colonialism was bad, which they've said in several episodes that we've learned, we've grown, and showing that humanity, even though they can learn and grow, can often, without remembering history, can repeat it and can make those same mistakes. So I think the episode gets a lot of flack that's not necessarily fair because, yeah, the writers of the time, you're using the language of the time. And that language is different and it's wrong and it should be changed. But looking back on it, there's a lot of interesting things they did in that episode to point out the mistakes in humanity's past. And I think it's very fascinating that Star Trek has never shined away from saying humans have done bad things. And we're going to show an instance where the characters have either grown and learned to not do it again, or they're repeating the same mistake. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, um, it's an episode that I can, when I started watching it in my most recent rewatch, it was like a while ago. I remember at the beginning, kind of like doing one of those, like, uh, Oh, is like, Oh, it's cringy at the beginning. Yeah. Bad. Like I was like, I was actually surprised at how well they handled it. That, um, is like from my is like obviously I am not is like an, an expert in is like in these uh, in these matters, but I was surprised by the tact with which they handled it. And yes, the languages are the language definitely isn't there. But I I put forward that I doubt that in another fifty years we'll be using the same language that we are now. I don't think we totally found yeah. the perfect word. I think that changes with time as new generations decide what they are comfortable with and what is like um they want to be identified as. And, and as it should, right? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I feel like again, I'll, I'll, I'm the same way as you, Tyler. I'm not an expert either, and we're not here to be experts on on any of this. But I think it's okay that growth naturally happens, and that words and languages are going to change. 100%. For the exact, I like the way you framed it. Each generation is going to determine what they're comfortable with, mm-hmm. and everyone else's job is to just listen. Yep. Yeah. You know, and that, and and I think Star Trek has done a good job of that. Star Trek does evolve. You know, series later, stop using language and adjust and make changes. And I think, you know, I think that as as series go, Star Trek does a very good job of handling things very well that that would be very delicate to handle at any point in time. Yeah. And it's it's always the risk you take when you're willing to, like, step out into the frontier of TV and, like, is like make content that isn't being made by other people is like in a, in a progressive sense because eventually your progress right now will be seen as retrograde once you are are hopefully passed by society as it continues mm-hmm. to move forward mm-hmm. um you see that with like even shows like friends who like their first seasons were is they like had a lot of homophobic stuff in it but at the same time yeah. they also had one of the first same-sex like uh couples like that had a child is again that with like a very functional relationship mm-hmm. um they were progressive at the time, but now when you look back, you can see how much work we needed, we still had to go. I think it's yeah, important yeah. to recognize that it's, it isn't perfect, but I think and it's that, perfect not to like not yeah. demonize it as like, well, then it, it has no worth. Yeah. And, and that, that example you give, I think is actually perfect because Friends was one of the first primetime shows to, yes, have a, a, a high functioning, um, very, very like you know, lesbian couple. And the two, the two characters were not, um, they weren't uh, parodies or foils or uh, they weren't the fool. 
of the story, which often happened at that time. They were, you know, they, they, for Ross, it was a bit of a barrier, but they eventually became ingrained in his life and it became just part of it. And that was something that for, for television at that time, like when was friends first came out in like the mid nineties? Like, yeah. 94, I think was its first season. Yeah. So that's like only a couple of years after this season of next generation. So new ground being broken in, in media and the first step to, to, to having these things represented is to just do it. Mm-hmm. Even if you make mistakes and don't do it properly. Like I'm, I'm never a fan of, of, you know, Oh, this is the first time that this has happened, but here's how they did it wrong. Well, at least they're doing it for the first time yeah. and no one else is. Um, and Star Trek did, you know, Star Trek did that a lot, did the first of a lot of things um, and then evolved. And, and we should never be just happy with that. Oh, you did it one time. Yay. Let's move on. Yeah. No, evolve with it. Grow do something else. So that's why I kind of like Journey's End. I think it was a really good beginning point because we got a lot more cultural sensitivities towards um, uh, Chakotay in Voyager, where we got to learn a lot of his background because they, they basically said, okay, here's a character with a lot of indigenous influences from, from a, you know, particular, I, again, I don't know how much of that was made up and how much of it was an actual culture they based it on. So, but I'll leave it at the fact that they took one idea and then, and then later episode expanded upon it and started to change their language and evolve. Yep. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, okay. We've each got one episode left. Uh, this is a long episode, but it's been great for me as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I could talk about Star Trek forever. So if, for the six people listening, thank you for sticking around. Uh, we've each got one episode left. Uh, go ahead, Tyler. What's your last one? So for the last one, I thought, what is the episode that I'm most embarrassed of? And yet is the episode that most people will probably end up starting with. Okay. And it's got to be the very first episode, <laughs> Encounter at Farpoint. Okay. Season one, episodes one to two. Um, any pilot of any show is obviously going to have some like oddities, some things that you kind of look at and you're like, well, that was a weird choice. I'm glad they ironed that out. It's like before they moved forward. And um, Encounter at Farpoint has almost all of the things that I've talked about so far of kind of like weird things that are kind of embarrassing. It has the holodeck. It has too much of the original. It's like a, it's like a series <laughs> Uh, dna within it it has some strange high concept things that are like kind of pulled out really like fully but then are also kind of very odd um and then it just has these like really overly theatrical moments like every character who feels the need to say something like has to stand up out of their chair and turn and face the camera and it just it feels so awkward and stilted yeah but it's also a part of star trek history and you can't help now when you look back be like fond of it um mm-hmm. i think of it kind of like if you really love a band as like um and you've like listened to all of their stuff except for maybe their very first album that was like independently produced and came out of their garage or something and you go back and like watch like listen to that much later and you're like yeah it's not very good it's obviously very unpolished but all of the stuff that is going to eventually become amazing is there and you can see it in its infancy and kind of say like, Oh, I I like how they did. They took this and turned it up or I like how they got rid of that or they moved it. And so for a star Trek fan, I feel like encounter at Farpoint has to be like a great episode to be able to look back on and kind of chuckle with and like, can you, can you believe that they tried that for some reason, Marina Sirtis is almost half crying in every single scene she's in. I'm Mm -hmm. glad they toned that down. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But then at the same time, (laughs) I would not, 
recommend people to start TNG by watching this episode um, because it doesn't do a good a, a good job of recognizing what the series is. Um, it's a better recognition of what the series could be. So we have our first duplicate. Encounter at Farpoint is my number five as well. Yeah, <laughs> and I wanted to talk about it last as well because it kicks off the se- the series and a lot of the things. I feel are the same as you where it kicks things that starts things off, but there's a lot that I'm glad they didn't keep. And and there's a lot that they weed out that, that I don't like that. I'm glad they, they either got out here or throughout the first season got rid of. But again, there, I always go back to the conversations because that's what I love about Star Trek. The, the, the trial that Q puts Picard and mankind on is the essence of, of of basically Star Trek the Next Generation. Yep. It's we as a as a society, as a group of people, as a race of hu- the, the human race can learn and grow and change and that's what the series tries to show you. I love how Q basically says you're a child race, which is true. You're a bunch of you you know, you're a bunch of children. Look at all the wars you've had. Look at all the horrible things. Look at how you treat your own people. Right? You don't belong in the greater universe. Well, you know what? At, you know, I think Q's kind of making the point of like, you're not ready. You're you haven't come as far as you think you have. You're not ready for this. You're nothing. But I think Q always saw the potential, and thought by challenging Picard and by learning about him, because I think I think Q's attitude changes towards Picard a lot because of his responses in this first episode, mm-hmm. where Q is very much like, no, I I've made my decision. But as Picard shows him things. And, and gets to the end of this episode, you're like, okay, there's there's something here. There's something that Picard has that I haven't seen in humanity or I, I don't know. Because if, if you just judge the human race based upon our, our history, it's it's not great. No. So it's a very interesting point to start. And yeah, it was it was like this the first time we have the two, we have the same episode here um, because it was on here for those all the reasons you gave but there's just so many things out of it where I'm like, I still kind of like it because yeah. I like these moments. Yeah, and it's uh, there. there's a lot of great things that have a lot more impact now because of having seen the whole series. Um, like the first time Data and Riker meet each other in the holodeck, uh, I had forgotten that this scene is actually referenced in Star Trek Nemesis um, after Data is like uh, tragically dies. And... They're t- like the senior staff is meeting together and they're having a toast and Riker like regales people about the first time he met data, he was trying to whistle in a tree. Um, mm-hmm. But he could it's like, and he's like, and he was the song. Uh, he's like, I can't remember what the song was. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, and when I was watching this through, I'm like, Oh, it's pop goes the weasel. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Here as it is right here. So it just yeah. is a great bookend on it's like, cause that's what they always talk about bookends, right? We're always talking about endings. But like a bookend is also the beginning and it's great to be able to kind of look at the two sides and see it's like the resonance that it's like the things that still made it all the way mm-hmm. through all seven mm-hmm. seasons, all four movies, what still survived yeah. to the end. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree. And I, I think to me, that's a great spot to to end a list like this where it's guilty pleasures because there's a lot of things they got rid of in that but there's a lot of things that stood the test of time and there was a lot of things that worked in that pilot yeah. and the, and you can see them you can see the star trek that you're about to to grow and and love in that initial episode quickly before we go um if i just want to list off the episodes that didn't make it on my list yeah um, i don't know if you have a list there i'm just going to quickly run through them um so i've got uh, i almost made the cup it didn't quite liaisons mm-hmm. season seven episode two 
three aliens come to try to understand love, hate, and pleasure because they don't get it. So they send three people to, to basically go to the Enterprise to like try to understand these things. Kind of an interesting episode. Loud as a whisper, season two, episode five. You've got the um, you've got the person who comes on board who who's basically going to negotiate um, a ceasefire on a planet, but he's deaf and he speaks through a Greek chorus. Yeah. Um, I think that's a fantastic episode and a lot of really cool things happen in there. Pen Pals, Season 2, Episode 15. Data, um, you know, communicates with with a, a being that they, they have. In the Prime Directive, big Prime Directive episode. Yeah. Where uh, the planet's about to be destroyed. He's communicating with someone who has no idea about space travel, um, what's going to happen. Another Dr. Pulaski interesting moment in there. Um, and then the the one that I eliminated 100% because I realized it was a good episode, The Game, mm. season five, episode six, Wesley returns. Uh, we get Ashley Judd uh, in, in an episode of Star Trek and uh, the, the game, a game takes over the ship basically and, and makes everybody addicted to this game that, that sits on your head. It's like a headset. And I realized that an episode is too good. Yeah. So I took it off this list. <laughs> what, what ones were you were you considering? So I managed to just kind of like semi-mention most of mine as I went through my list, except for um, Shades of Grey, which is the last episode of season two and Star Trek's o- Star Trek TNG's only clip show. Oh, that's a terrible episode. I eliminated it because it's so bad. Yeah, so it's absolutely... <laughs> exactly. So it's an absolutely terrible episode. God awful. They obviously didn't know what they needed to do. The th- mm-hmm. and, it's like, and it's the reason why it eventually didn't make my list because I'm like, it's it's not enough of a pleasure. Too guilty, not enough of the other one. So, but the one thing that I do like about this is there's a, literally like a single line at some point when someone says, because the whole premise of the episode is that Riker, while down on a planet, steps on something and like gets some like poison into him that's like is eventually going to kill him and as he's going into a coma he's reliving episodes from the past two seasons pretty much um and but what i loved about that episode was the fact that someone says at one point it's really amazing this doesn't happen more often (laughs) and i'm like i know right you're going that's true into random planets with a completely (laughs) different ecosystem like whole new everything different microbiota like a biota there so different bacteria different viruses different plants with venoms and whatnot different animals with different uh like ways of hunting it's like how is it that people don't die more frequently as uh, like on these away missions and um i just like that moment of someone finally yeah. acknowledging <laughs> isn't it weird that this doesn't happen more frequently I'm yeah. like, it is it is isn't it yeah yeah, and you—that's a—that's a truly not great episode. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that gets eliminated for the opposite reason. Exactly. The other ones were just too good. This one just yeah. a little too bad. Yeah. Um, well, Tyler, thank you so much for doing this, for giving up some time to talk Star Trek with me. Uh, I I really needed a little Trek talk, and I'm glad you're always there to to chat. Always. It's like uh, like the when you look at the the idea of star trek about it's like going over stars and it's like galaxies or whatnot where the difference the distance between kingston and toronto really isn't that far so it's like whenever you need some star trek talk i'll always be here <laughs> thank you very much thanks for doing that um and thank you for listening whoever is if you ever do have more star trek questions send them in because we did promise and we will be back at some point in time might be a little while you know we i'm, I'm not going to take up too much of tyler's time all the time but we'll we'll do something original series next next time we talk star Trek it'll be original series and and Tyler I'll be happy to have you back sounds good um Tyler why don't you give us I'm gonna put you on the spot give us a nice Star Trek send-off live long and prosper 
Thank you for listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast, recorded at CFRC at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. Queen's University sits on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee and Anishabi peoples. We would like to thank the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences and the CFRC Podcast Network.